Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, I'm listed there as well. The, the shows are usually up on YouTube shortly after they're released. You can like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. My email, very public, very open, josh at myfirstsketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at myfirstsketch. I alluded to it on the last episode, but now it's all set so I can talk about details instead of being vague and cryptic. Philly Sketch Fest will present Philly Sketch Fringe on September 15th at the Playground at the Adrian. There are three shows at 7 p.m., Dog Mountain and House of Solitude with the Mean Wendy Band as a house band. At 8.30 p.m., The Decoy, John and Ian, and The Prince with Mean Wendy Band. And at 10.30 p.m., it is Producer's Choice. And that just so happens to be High Drama and Secret Pants. Yes, the two groups that Brian Kelly and Kurt Reedy are involved in. Two of the producers of Philly Sketchfest. I don't think that's quite nepotism, but it's pretty close. Tickets for all three shows are available at TicketFly.com. But that's a month and a half away, so let's focus on the now. Today's guest is Alexis Howland, currently a member of Cups and a Half and the Fit House team, Fezziwig. Her first sketch is called Man Bears. Nate Biagiati plays Specimen 1B45, I play Ranger Jack, and Alexis plays Sharon and reads the visual information. So let's go to the sketch. Ranger Jack peers through binoculars, observing a bear foraging through a, a blackberry bush. Ranger Jack holds up a tape recorder to his mouth. Specimen 1B45 eats blackberries at 2.13 p.m. The sound of a phone ringing starts coming from bear. Specimen 1B45 starts ringing at 2.14 p.m. Bear stops foraging for berries, pulls out a phone, and fumbles with its claws to answer it. Specimen 1B45, answer phone at... Hey, wait a minute. Bear pulls off head, revealing a man's head. It's a man in a bear suit. He finally answers the phone. Lucy, did you pick up my dry cleaning? No. Do you know how bad I smell right now? I've been wearing the same suit for five weeks. Ranger Jack stomps forward with purpose. Hey. Hey, you. Bear looks up, totally surprised. Oh. Shit, Lucy, I'll call you back. Bear hastily tries to put the phone away. He can't do it fast enough. Throws the phone into the bushes behind the log. God damn it! The union is going to kill me for this. Bear puts Bear head on and pretends he doesn't see Ranger Jack. He forages unconvincingly in the blackberry bush. Hey, hey, who are you? What have you done with 1B45? Rawr. Bear paws at the air. Don't pull that fake bear shit with me. Where's the real bear? Bear looks behind himself to the right and left. He turns straight towards Ranger Jack, then slowly shrugs, paws up. Ta-da! You're not a real bear. As real as they get, Jack. How do you know my name? Bear takes bear head off again. I know everything about you, Jack. Park rangers, with all their note-taking skills, are the people most likely to discover our secret. We keep tabs on all of them. You're crazy. No, Jack. You're crazy. You think bears are real? How ridiculous. <laughs> 
I wrote my park ranger thesis on the blackberry preferences of black bears. I know everything there is to know about bears. Every bear you've ever seen has been a man in a bear suit. But why? Why would grown men all over the world agree to live out their lives in bear suits? That's absurd. Jack, do you ever get the feeling that lurking just outside your bedroom window is a great evil about to take over the world? No, not really. I don't. I don't know. Maybe? Do you know what that evil is? Bears? No. Bees. Bees? Those creepy little aliens are trying to destroy us. And who are the natural enemies of bees? Wasps. No. Bears. The only thing standing between bees and the downfall of humanity is a secret army of men in bear suits. Bears. Be everywhere always. Rar. Ranger Jack looks confused and introspective, like he's reconsidering every life decision he's ever made. Bear puts on Bearhead and resumes foraging in the blackberry bush. Sharon, dressed in orange hunting gear, appears from behind a tree. She's aiming a rifle at Bear. Hey, this is a national park. You can't hunt bears. Also, that one's a person. You're such an idiot. This is the third time the Union sent me to clean up your mess. Bear stands up and takes off his bear head. Shut up, Sharon. Do you know how hard it is being a bear? I never see my family. The suit is hot as balls. And don't even get me started on hibernation. Sharon rolls her eyes, then turns to Ranger Jack and points the rifle at him. Ranger Jack is wide-eyed. Well, Jack, you've discovered our secret. And now you're a risk to our mission. We can't let you walk away from here. Union rules. Ranger Jack is frozen and doesn't say anything. You have two ways out. In a coffin, or in a bear suit. What she means is either we kill you, or you, you know, live the rest of your life as a man in a bear suit. Tears start streaming out of Ranger Jack's eyes. Oh man, it's not that bad. Hibernation's alright. No. No, it's not that. It's just... It's all I've ever dreamed of. Sign me up. I hate bees. Black out. Hey, Alexis. Hi. All right, so tell me about this idea. So, uh, well, I'll start off by saying I did actually cheat a little bit. I think this is my second sketch. How dare you? I know. I'll leave right now. Uh, My first sketch actually, so this was from FITS 101 curriculum, Mm -hmm. and the first one we did was a a parody. Parody, generally, yeah. And so the the parody I did was a commercial, and so it just had a voice one voiceover, and so I thought maybe that wouldn't read so yes, well. Yes, uh, I'm going to thank you for that because I've learned that those commercial parodies that are mostly visual information and then a voiceover do not work as an audio. Yeah. Uh, so you can totally skip that one <laughs> and move to this one. Um, so this idea, I mean... You know, I've, I, on some of the episodes I listen to, people have sort of these, like, long origin stories for their ideas. Mm. Um, but the origin of this is just that bears kind of weird me out, and I think that every bear looks like a man in a bear suit. <laughs> so so that, that's, that's enough, yeah. I think. Um, I used to live in Boston, and there was the Boston Film Festival I went to one year, and I saw mm-hmm. I went to, like, a series of shorts, and there was a, a short comedic film there about a guy who... Um, his girlfriend goes running I think it was Australian she like goes running like you know in the outback or Mm -hmm. something like in this like 
crazy sort of wilderness. I guess it wouldn't be Australia because they probably don't have bears. But somewhere, th- she was running around, and he wants to surprise her in a bear suit for her birthday. Okay. And he like jumps out, and he's in a bear suit, and she freaks out, and she pushes him off a cliff. Mm. And then she thinks he's dead. She she realizes it's him, but then he stands up and he's okay. And then a hunter shoots him. <laughs> and and I saw that, I saw that, and I was like. I was like, I was like, this speaks to how I perceive the world because I've always thought that all bears look like men Just, in bear suits. And uh, that would, to- I would totally foresee that happening. Has this ever been put up? Have you ever done it on stage? Like, um, no, I haven't because and I know people say, you know, don't, don't hold your things too precious, but I would want like a really convincing bear suit. And right. I feel like that would cost. Right. I, I think. That would cost a lot of money. Yeah, I think, I mean, you can get one that's half decent, you know, but it's still going to be a decent amount of a budget for whatever show you want to do. Like, even, because there's a sketch that a friend wrote that has a gorilla in it. So I, for a while, I was looking up prices for gorilla suits and and they're always like 60 bucks, 70 bucks. I'm like... I don't want to spend money on one joke like right. thing, you know? Yeah. Did they look good? I didn't do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I also had another friend who had a, a gorilla suit, so I was always holding off hope that I could just take his, but then right. he told me he sold it, so Ugh. whatever. How, that, what? That's unfair. If you're, in com- I, if you're in comedy, you should have a closet full of stuff at my disposal right. all the time. I, what I want to find out, I want maybe someone else has a sketch or maybe a few other people have sketches who want, who need a bear suit. Right. And then I would want to, f- and then I would film this and maybe we could all rent the bear suit or something. Right. Do like. For a weekend. Yeah. It sounds perfect. I'll write a, a sketch with a bear suit in it right. so that we can do this <laughs> and we can find more people and just knock out seven sketches in a weekend with one suit. That sounds like a decent plan compared right. to some other things I've heard. Um, so what, so was this the character? Like, is that still the curriculum? Like, is it parody, character, monologue, or was it just write another sketch? Fish out of water? Oh, it was fish out of water. Yeah, this was fish out of water. Okay, I guess that makes sense. You're better at this than I am. I was like, I've talked to a lot of people that have gone through the fit curriculum, like, and I've done it too, so. Yeah, so, so this was fish out of water okay um what what drives you to do sketch 101 at fit who did you do all right first off who did you do it with uh so i did it with matt schmid okay uh and then uh just sort of like strange series of events then joe moore subbed for one of the classes that matt schmid did and then i needed to switch I needed to do a makeup class, and so I did that with Brian Kelly. Okay. It was kind of nice. I felt like I got like a little sampling of, of everyone, like, of like, like half the whole yeah. team there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good. Uh, so I, um, so I, uh, I work a corporate job, but mm. I don't really enjoy that much. You probably hear that a lot. Yeah, that's and a common theme for yeah, all of us. Wow. <laughs> Wow, comedians. So I had been kind of unhappy in my job, and six months prior, uh, 
so this was like last January, January 2016, and maybe six months prior to that, a friend of mine was like, "You should do improv." Okay. And I was like, I was like, "Oh, you think I'm funny, but I'm not funny." <laughs> and then one night I was at my job, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so unhappy at my work." And I looked up improv classes in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and there was an improv 101 at Fit starting that night, and I signed up for it. Like and legitimately, it, like it was t- starting two during hours. the workday. Yeah. <laughs> haul your way, th- like wow, that's, yeah, I that's showed crazy. Up in my, yeah, so I was just like, t- it was in starting in two hours or something like that, and I signed up for it, and I just went. So like a total whim, like impulse. Wow, that's that's insane. To me. That's so cool. Um, who was your improv one hundred and one teacher? Uh, Bobby Lang. Okay. Yeah. Who is now in Las Vegas? Yeah, I think so. At doing totally grad screwing school. up the the Swedish dynamic. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I love Swedish, and two of them are now on the West Coast, basically, and it's just maybe everyone should just move out west. No, back <laughs> here, Philadelphia, like. Um, okay, so you do improv first. So I did improv, and you know, I'm just like everyone who drinks like the improv Kool-Aid and is like, this is amazing. I was like, I want to do more. So I simul- and so I look and see what Fit has, and they have Sketch 101. Mm-hmm. And so I sign up for the, like, you know, when I'm done with Improv 101, I sign up to do Sketch the okay. next session. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm maybe better. I think I'm definitely better at Sketch so you're than drinking, I'm So you're drinking the Kool-Aid of Improv <laughs> until you sweet, you hear the better Kool-Aid of Sketch <laughs> and throw away this Improv Kool-Aid. Yeah. It's yeah. It's what I like to hear. Like, <laughs> I'm... Um, yeah. Well, I think when I see really, really good improv, I'm like, oh, wow, that's so good. Yeah. And then I look at myself, I'm like, you maybe won't ever get there. <laughs> well, I mean, you could, but sketch it's is more hard. fun. Well, uh, yeah. So I, um, so then I just, you know, I'm, I really like writing. Mm-hmm. Have that I learned in d- from this this. Did sketch. you only do sketch one hundred one? Have you done two hundred one or? I haven't done two hundred one. Okay. No, so I've just done one hundred one, uh, and yeah, I like. Um, I mean, obviously, w- with improv, you're you're in the moment and you're not controlling the outcomes, mm-hmm. uh, which is fun. But I also sort of like the process of developing a whole story arc and yeah and working through it until maybe you get it as perfect as you right. can and having where improv to me there's no control over like there's at least with sketch there's a bit of control and like you're the creator and this yeah. is your own little world right. and until you hand it off to the director or whatever a little little other tweaks happen like this is your control. This right. is your like. Right, I'm God. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's, and that's what I've always loved about writing too. Um, so you, you. I have, also love the writers' room. Sorry. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, we're gonna back up first before we get to the writers' rooms. Um, you take improv because you have a, a friend that says you're funny, and like, there's a difference between the funny friend or the funny friend in a group and becoming right a comedian on stage. But what? Um, what were you into? What made you laugh growing up? Uh, like right, yeah. Um, TV shows, movies. Right. Uh, 
when I was really small, my best friend, I grew up in Iowa. I'm from Des Moines. Um, <laughs> there we go. That's funny. <laughs> no, it's really funny because uh, we're recording this the day before I put out an episode where I make the joke, Iowa shouldn't be so picky. So <laughs> it just makes me chuckle, even though this episode will come out five or six weeks after that, but uh, or four or whatever it is. But yeah. My friend Reese claims that people from Iowa are... He's not from Iowa. He's from Massachusetts. But he's like, I think Iowa has a lot of funny people. When I read The New Yorker, the Iowa is like really represented in the joke <laughs> caption contest. <laughs> like disproportionately represented. Well, <laughs> I not, don't know if that's true. Not to slam Iowa, but what else is there? Like other than trying to make jokes and like isn't Iowa like Des Moines and corn? Right. So, what else is there? I'm I'm glad that you have such a positive outlook <laughs> on it. That's a nice way. Actually, Halloween, so Beggar's Night in Des Moines, that's when you go out and you, you know, beg, it's Beggar's beg, Night. Yeah, it's called Beggar's Night. <laughs> Instead of Halloween or is this separate in, happens, in addition? It usually happens the Thursday night before Halloween. It's called Beggar's Night and that's when you go out and you get candy. You go door to door and get candy. Do you still do costumes? Yeah, you do costumes, okay. but people will only give you candy if, if you tell them a joke. Okay. So all the little kids have to show up there with a joke ready to go. Okay. And then after you say your jokes, you get candy. But no Halloween. No, there is still, it is, it is Halloween. It's part of the Halloween tradition. It's just the night that the kids get candy is called beggar's night. Okay. I don't know why it's on a separate I, night. I was going to say, so, all right, what, so Iowa and beggar's night, where were we, where were we going? Oh, I can keep going on this. <laughs> um, all right, but what were you, oh, like, but what were you watching? What were you? Oh, what was I watching? Right. So Aaron, in Iowa, Aaron Chenchar was my friend when I was really small, and for whatever reason, we were really into the Sound of Music and Young Frankenstein. I okay. Rem- I remember watching those over and over again, maybe in you know kindergarten and first grade. Sound of Music isn't that funny, but Young Frankenstein is. Young Frankenstein's very funny, but did you understand it that oh, young? Yeah. No, definitely not. I was like, going to say, like, there's jokes that are funny at that age, that can be funny at that age, but, like, yeah, you're missing a lot. Right. Um, I mean, I think I found, like, Igor the funniest right. at that age, but I don't think I got... And, and now, I haven't actually watched it recently, but I, I should go back and watch it. There's probably a lot of you sexual should, yeah. jokes that I I'm sure there is, because get. Terry Garr is, <laughs> like, like, sex pot up all, like, sex pot it and, like, right. all the way up and... Yeah, isn't she, she, like, rolls around in the hay and she Something goes, like I'm that, rolling yeah. in the hay. Yeah, it was probably inappropriate. It's been a while be since watching. I've seen that one, too, so, like... Um, but then I actually was really into cartoons. Um, so, obviously, The Simpsons, but one of the first shows that I got super obsessed with was Home Movies. Okay, the, um... It's by Brendan Small. I was about to say, I, I couldn't remember which one's the creator, because I know, like... There's a timeline of like home movies to Bob's Burgers and um, I think think C Lab is in that like family of like creators and people. Um, And also there was that one about the no Doctor Cats. Doctor, yeah, that Squiggle Vision style of animation. Yeah. Um, So what was it about home movies that? Uh, So I think the the premise. uh, or the, the, what I really liked about home movies is that 
it's these little kids. Mm. So I think they're in third grade. And it's called home movies because they make their own movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they deal with all these adult situations, but from a child's perspective. But they deal with it almost in a very very sober way. So like in one episode, Jason becomes addicted to sugar. And so they have to stage an intervention. (laughs) So it's these adult problems, right? But like mapped onto like children yeah. and then um obviously uh john h benjamin mm. is you know one of the major voice contributors in there and i didn't at the time i didn't know who he was yeah but i just knew i was like oh my god coach mcgurk is so funny <laughs> you know and jason's so funny um and then yeah and then it's right it, the the show's a little bit I mean, it's relevant for this, right? Because these little kids are writing their own films. Yeah. So you see them too, even though it's not real, the kids like write their films and then make them in the process that they go through of like filming and, uh, you know, getting everything done. What's your introduction to sketch and improv? Like what's the first shows that really... Um, Wow, that's... So... I definitely, I lived in New York City for a while, and I definitely went to see improv there, like at UCB and the Magnet. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what my first sketch show was, and I am... Or even, like, televised, like... Oh, yeah. Well, definitely SNL. uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. From very early on. Or, I mean, also just as a child uh, on Nickelodeon watching, what was that sketch show... Which one? Um, all that or all that or I know didn't Amanda and Bynes have her and own? Kel, yeah, right. Uh, and then didn't Amanda Bynes have her own? Oh yeah, or is she that like, had one too. Or were you aged out at that point? Um, I don't think I think I didn't watch hers as much, but I definitely watched all that and then Keenan and Kel. Well, uh, with all that, was there a specific sketch that you're that you're particularly fond of that you remember? With you know. Um, we're like really pushing my memory. <laughs> um, I don't have a particular sketch, but I do have a weird fan moment. There was one of the women on all that, or the like, mm-hmm. a girl, I guess. Her name was, I think, Lori Beth Denberg. Something like that. Denberg, yeah, yeah. Denberg. yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay, so I grew up in Iowa, as I've already mentioned, <laughs> and we would take like for fun trips to the Mall of America in Minneapolis. So this would be something that we thought was entertaining. Right. We'd like all get in a car. Someone's parents. How would, how how far is like? It's like a five-hour drive, six hours. So someone's mom would get like six or seven kids in their minivan, and we drive to Minneapolis to go to Mall of America, and like for like a weekend. Yeah, maybe overnight. Okay, because yeah. nothing sounds good yet. Like. Yeah, no. No, in retrospect, it was not good. And I can't, I don't know, were the adults enjoying it? I don't know. Uh, so we show up at the Mall of America, and I imagine there's a Disney store. And we walk in, so this is in Minneapolis, we walk into the Disney store, and like Lori Beth Denberg is in there signing autographs. Okay, so she's like, that's. <laughs> That's got to be, like, I, I know the Mall of America is huge, and it was a big thing when it opened and everything, but there has to be something to, like, oh, I have to do this, like, I have to go to right. Minnesota. 
What if she's maybe Ugh. she's from Minnesota? Maybe she was really excited and she volunteered. Then you know more power to her if that's the case. But I just like uh, Iowa sounds awful. You're you're not you're not painting a good <laughs> picture so far. Like oh, I mean it's all right. A five. <laughs> like, <laughs> a, I just can't picture a five-hour drive for the Mall of America. Like, was, I spent so much of my <laughs> childhood driving long distances. We escaping my, the state of Iowa because <laughs> there's nothing there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's. Uh, um, I ask everybody, and you mentioned you know Siren Live briefly, and uh, who would be your favorite cast member all time? Turn live. Uh, right. Uh, so I really like Kristen Wiig. Okay. Just overall. Is there a, predi- it, a particular, uh, particular character or sketch? Or yeah, I mean, Target Lady is really awesome. Mm-hmm. In general, I just think all of her characters are so compelling, and she's like so weird. The, yeah. the people that she, she does are so weird. And, uh, yeah, I mean, also, you know, maybe – in some ways I sort of like relate to her more as an individual. And so that's like why she's someone who just like stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like it. I was actually just a couple days ago, like watching some Norm McDonald clips and not, not from SNL, but just other shows and interviews he mm-hmm. did. And I do remember when I was really young that I loved Norm McDonald as the um, weekend update host. Yeah. Uh, again, why were my parents letting me watch? Well, how, like how, cause I, he was like my, when I start watching, he was my first update anchor. Like, yeah, I like think when I start too. watching, like, and then like immediately Colin Quinn took over like later that year right. or something like that. Um, so I do have a fondness for him and I think his joke telling in that is completely different than everyone else has ever done it. Like, yeah. And there's a like a, a chaos and an anarchy to what he's doing compared to everyone else. Like, yeah, I love Norm. Uh, and on clips of talk shows and stuff, he's like one of the best talk show guests you can have, <laughs> just because you don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be funny to me. Like, yeah, I'm I'm all for Norm McDonald generally. Yeah, I. He, I do. When I was watching this, I was like, oh yeah, I remember when I was little, I was really into Norm McDonald. Uh, and I think at the same time, well, like. It was right around the time of Bob Dole, and he played Bob Dole. Oh, yeah, like, he played Bob in that Dole. election, so he, he was ha- on he a lot. He always had so. his hand holding the pen. So yeah, at ten years old or whatever I was, my whole experience of Bob Dole is Norm Macdonald. Like yeah. So no, I remember being a little kid and like doing a Bob Dole impression, which was probably Norm Macdonald. Yeah, and I'm Bob Dole. Look ex- for Bob yeah, Dole. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> yeah. You're doing a, an impression of an impression of an impression, basically. Uh, there's a sketch, and I, I mention it all the time, and I wish... I don't know why it's not online. I'm sure it's some music, copyright, garbage. There's a sketch where Bob Dole moves into the real, the real world house. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things in my... I, I, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's, it's so great where, like, it's, uh, I wish it was online because there's like, it's like three segments through the show... Yeah, and it's fantastic. Oh, and it's so it's so good now to go back and find those sketches because it's like someone's VHS yeah. recording that. Yeah, and I know it's one of those onto YouTube. <laughs> like, and I'm sure it's one of those sketches that like Saturday Night Live takes down all the time. Like, whenever one pops up on YouTube, it immediately gets taken down for like copyright claim or something. Like, yeah, because NBC's like a hawk yeah. in that scenario. Um, 
All right, so you live in New York and you see shows at UCB and stuff. Like, yeah. Do you remember seeing anything cool or any like any of the superstars that have come out of UCB in that time? No, uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually see anyone who. I mean, I I saw people who now I like recognize mm-hmm. as sort of like side characters or actors or something on TV shows. But right. I didn't. I didn't happen to see any of like the really. Um, big name people. I I think though, like, if you know, I mean, I guess if the the bigger question is sort of like, how did I get inspired, or like, why was I was I inspired to? Well, did like, inspire me to pursue well, I mean, comedy. Even like living in New York, how do you find out about UCB and going to shows there? Like, is it yeah, just well, because you like are into comedy and you were? I actually started. I first saw some. Uh, shows at the Magnet and it was because I had a friend who had a friend who was producing shows there. Okay. And so I went to go and see uh, some of his shows. But honestly, at the time, I don't even really think I understood what was going on. Right. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand... Um, like, I only had the, the vaguest concept of what improv was. Sure. And then the, what I was also seeing... I. I know now it was a, like sort of a, a variety show actually, and so, and I didn't understand that it was like stu- that there were students and people putting this on. I'm yeah. not sure that I knew what was going on. I knew I liked it. I was gonna say like it was it basically just like a cheap night out, cheap entertainment that night yeah. for you. Like, yeah. Uh, so. Um. So yeah. So I don't. I don't have like a great story of like oh this one time I you know met like fred armison yeah you <laughs> have a, <laughs> like a random season sorry moment yeah um all I, right so you you come to philly after i mean you're pretty well traveled iowa to boston to new york city or vice oh, versa other in between there too like, my goodness uh and now you're settled in philly um and you basically start doing improv 101 as a total impulse which i i can't get over that's that that's a fantastic story to me like yeah okay click <laughs> two hours run down there like yeah that's that's bonkers um okay so you do improv 101 you do sketch 101 where does cups and a half start right. off so cups and a half then the next september uh, uh Alyssa truskowski mm-hmm. sort of post that she wants uh to do to have like a sketch meeting for women who are interested in doing sketch and it was just supposed to be like a meetup sure to like sort of get together and and now that you mentioned this my interview with Alyssa, like bits and pieces that are coming back to me so yeah we're gonna get your perspective now like and what's what's uh funny is that i told you i had I I did a makeup class with Brian Kelly and Mm -hmm. Alyssa was in that class and so we went around and we read sketches and I think I read this sketch and she read a sketch she brought a sketch that was about uh, (laughs) a a person who gets new glasses and then they realize they couldn't see that well before and now that they have new glasses they realize that they're like living with like ghosts and vampires and just all these like haunted specters and stuff and it was was really funny and I remember at the time being like (gasps) I have like a sketch crush on you. <laughs> like I want to work with you. And so then she put out this notice, you know, 
let's all meet up and talk about sketch. And I, and I was like, I'm definitely doing yeah, that. Like- <laughs> and so we showed up and basically there were five people who showed up and we just decided to stick just with the it. Five of you go. Okay. Yeah, we met at rogues and uh, we was that we the, going. was that the one where, uh, Jordan, uh, <laughs> Courtney and Jolie Oops. showed up like yeah so they came to sort of give us like tips Courtney and Jolie from Jordan and Coley like. <laughs> they showed up to give us tips and then um now Jolie's art director mm-hmm. yeah okay so cups in half the five of you just randomly answer Alyssa's personal ad on Facebook I don't yeah. know if it was in in improveries it was in improveries yeah. yeah I figured um so, Cubs in Half, the first show, what's that experience like putting on that first? The first show? Yeah, the, like, your yeah. first, uh, like, did, were you doing, have you done anything on stage prior to? Well, I'd done, um, I had done improv shows, and I, you know, had some stage experience as a child. Right. Very limited. Sure. Um, so... But no, I hadn't ever done like the full production of it. So so we we get together. Uh, we don't have a show date yet or anything, and we just decide in one of our next meetings we're all you know like everyone bring ten pitches or whatever. So okay. we come and we there are five of us. All of us bring a bunch of pitches and we start going through them. And you know, sort of I guess uh, serendipitously. All of us brought all these really like dark, morbid mm-hmm. pitches, like all yep. these d- concepts and premises. Yep, because that that's are, a thing. That's yeah. that, that's a thing I've noticed from the the bit of cups and a half I've seen <laughs> yeah. so far. And so we're like, oh man, this is like kind of nice because this all we didn't even plan a theme or anything, and it right. all sort of like worked. You a, you magically had a voice, yeah. already like with that first pitch session, which is really kind of lucky. Like, yeah, like, it was. Um, like apocalypse oriented sort of. Yeah. Uh, so we started, so then that was maybe in November and we started working with Jolie after that, but not long after we'd done that pitch mm-hmm. pitch session. And then, you know, she was running the look at Good Good. Right. So she said, oh, you guys should do the look in January. And we were like, okay. Right, right, right. Because that's um, the first time I heard of it. Because I think, I don't remember... I remember, you know, seeing the posting for that look and I was like, what is cups and a half? I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then your names were listed. I was like, I don't know any of those people. <laughs> like, right. And noobs, then, so noobs. that like, so that wave of like, I don't know who these are, who are these people? Oh, there's new people. Yeah. Like that excitement of like, oh, there's actually a new group coming. Yay. Hooray. Yeah. Because there was a while where it didn't feel like anything was happening. Right. New with, blood. So yeah, like new blood. Awesome. Um, so cups and half. I'm, I'm assuming that's like a 15 minute, like if that. Yeah, that was like a 15 minute set. And then you do a, a full set at Fit. Was it Fit first? Uh, I think it, was, it probably would have been Fit first. Y- our full set might have actually been at the Treehouse. Oh right, you might have. Yeah. Because I think at Fit we still might have done 15 minutes. I'm, I can't remember. Well, I know the first time I saw you guys was at Fit. Was it Fit? Okay. Yeah. You and Alyssa get. Uh, you know, submit and get picked for Fezzi Thwig. I always have this question and this curiosity 
and it's such a new experience for you for the most part of working with the same people on different projects. Yeah. So what is it like working within the five slum of Cups and a Half versus right. the bigger group of Fezziwig right. with someone that you overlap with? Right. Uh, well, one thing I've started doing is keeping like separate pitch lists. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think it would... You know, there's not, like, I guess an explicit rule. Like, if you pitch something somewhere and it doesn't take, maybe you can right. take it and pitch it the other place. Um, but I, I keep separate lists for just for things in a broad sense that I think might thematically fit more with Fezziwig or something that thematically might fit more, you know, with Cups. And with Cups, we tend to pursue things that if they aren't, like, explicitly feminist, have a feminist slant to them. Right, and there's, you know, there's certain things with being an all-female group and having a male perspective in Fezziwig where you're like, oh, there's something with guys in it, and, like, there's not a difference between, like, you know, Cups and a Half can wear drag, and I believe there are a couple sketches where you, like... There might be some coming up. uh, But, like, it might be better if Ian or Patrick or someone else plays this role versus... Yeah. Me in a baseball cap, or you in a baseball cap, I should say. So I'm not confusing. Like, yeah, I mean, th- so that that also brings up another point, which is just having actors, mm-hmm. and I think that they did an excellent job casting the actors. And mm-hmm. the first time Fezziwig, when we were, you know, we'd just we'd been in the writers' room for a few months before the actors came in. Yeah. And so we'd been reading each other's sketches just around the table. And then the actors came in and did it. And I was like, wow, you make my sketches better. <laughs> there's, a, there's a completely <laughs> different sound here. Like, yeah. Uh, so I, so that's also, you know, that, that's, but I, I don't mean that like, oh, for cups we can't act or something, right. but it, that, it's, it's just suddenly you have more resources, right? Yeah. At your hands where you're like, oh, so, like maybe there's a particular person who's very good at playing a certain type of character mm-hmm. playing this role. And so then they'll, they'll get cast that way. And one thing that we've dealt with in cups is, I mean, all of us have learned so many of each other's parts because there's been shows, you know, yeah, I, like I, one person um, missing. Sketch Fest. You were miss, you were down someone. Yes, yeah, Sketchfest. Um, Susanna was yeah. up there. I was trying to remember which of who I don't know, like of people I haven't completely been introduced to. I was like, right. I was trying to picture like that one's gone. Like that yeah. one was missing. Yeah. Um, so I think we've only done like maybe one or two shows where <laughs> everyone was there, and so then otherwise it's just like rotating. So it's kind of nice because you get to like learn each of the sketches. But but a, a lot of groups do that. Secret Pants in their last show they did it, they redid a sketch with two different people. So that's not a completely yeah. you know unorthodox or out of the ordinary right. situation. So that's fine. But then with Fezziwig, you have your four show run. You have yeah. And like. You For the most part. And you're so, like, planned out, prepared. Like, we've known since your last show that you were coming up again in August. So right. So we'll plan for whether so you're there. So you knew, yeah. don't take your vacation that week. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't screw us over that time. <laughs> um, so what's the experience of Fezzy Wig with the bigger writing room versus the, like, and I don't want to say integrated. Integrated is such an odd term, but, like, what is the difference for you from write, writing in that feminist mm-hmm. perspective of cups yeah. versus 
maybe not so feminist, it's going to be somewhat feminist. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure most of the people <laughs> on Fezziwig are decent human beings. <laughs> but it is a different All of my take. sketches are pro-patriarchy for Fezziwig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, completely different voice. Completely, like, chameleon, chameleon yourself to mm-hmm. different voices. Uh, so what's the, the experience of writing in a bigger writer's room? Uh, well, I really love being in the writer's room. Uh, just the creative collaborative process of people riffing off of each other and Mm -hmm. sometimes you know I'm sure other people have said this or maybe not uh, you know I can feel stuck and then I go in there and Mm. just joking around with people or someone will have some kernel of an idea and then all together we're like cracking up over it and it grows into something else and and I really like that Uh, it is interesting I think I was just thinking about this when you you know, brought up, like, my stuff, like, our stuff would still be feminist because people on Fezziwig are, are good people. Um, but, like, yeah, my sketches that I write for Cups tend not to have men in them, and the, the sketches that I write for Fezziwig, not explicitly, but they all have men in them. So right. maybe I guess I'm just being influenced by um, what the, who's on the cast. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember. I think it was Aubrey Williams. Um, when I talked to her, she had mentioned that she had been working with Manny Petty, another all-female group, and then she got, uh, you know, into the writer's room of Goat Rodeo, and she mentioned that Sam Russell was disappointed. We're like, where's, like, where's the same voice from Manny Petty? Like, you, you can do this, like, yeah. we can do feminist stuff here, too. Like, you can do, you can write a sketch for all yeah. females in Goat Rodeo. We have yeah. girls here, too, like. Um, but then, okay, so you're relatively new, about a year and a half or so in the scene, depending on when we count from the start of improv or sketch or whatever. Uh, why do you do it? Other than that impulse of being the funny friend and jumping in and. (laughs) Well, I, I actually think for a long time, I have secretly or not so secretly really wanted to pursue a creative career. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was younger, actually, what I wanted to be was a graphic novelist. Okay. And I was, and that was partially why I was really into cartoons. And then as I got older, what I really like doing uh, is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I n- never did it in sort of like in a in a an official way but if you would spend time with me I think most of my friends would say I have a lot of stories mm-hmm. and they go on and on and on and on uh and I was I'm, gonna make another dig at Iowa again but I have so I've, many Iowa <laughs> I've stories. already slagged off Iowa so much tonight <laughs> uh so I wanted to do so I, I've really always enjoyed storytelling and I and then I and comedic storytelling but I guess I always felt like oh I don't know there, you know there's not a path forward there or that I should be focusing on sort of more a more conventional mm. career path and then you get into it and then you realize oh but this like isn't satisfying yeah you know uh and I think for a long time I was always like afraid to do pursue creative things uh, because I thought, you know, other people are artists. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not an artist. I'm not a creator. 
and then yeah I, I just I just took the leap I'm I've I'm always I also am very comfortable uh with public speaking and that's something that in my education and in my career my current career path like I've done a bit of so I don't I I don't I feel comfortable being in front of people and mm-hmm. talking so I think in some ways that has helped me yeah here because I'm I feel I, I'm comfortable to go up on stage and be like look at me yeah I'm important yeah that and <laughs> Which is, I'm not totally there. Like, even though I've never been a huge stage person. Mm. Um, and then, uh, what's something that you've learned from comedy that you'd pass on? Either, you know, practical advice or something existential that comedy has taught you uh, in the past couple of years. Right. So, man, the existential stuff. There's so much of it. <laughs> I mean, like, go for it. Like, uh. Well, in terms of the practical stuff, I would say just do it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, for me, that was a big barrier for a long time was for whatever reason, I had these artificial roadblocks in my head. It's mm-hmm. like, this isn't something I can do. I'm not the sort of person who's like good enough or capable enough to, mm-hmm. to do this. But I mean, the people who are successful at this, the one thing they have in common is that they tried. Yeah. So try it. Just just you know put it down on paper whatever your idea is i can't remember who told me this but i I still sometimes get nervous when i my first draft of a sketch i'm like oh this i don't know about this this Mm -hmm. doesn't seem that good and i can't remember who i don't know if it was jolie or someone that someone had told Jolie this or this was from Alyssa, but it was just your first draft is going to be awful. Yeah. So if you accept that, then there's no pressure. Just do your first draft. Yeah. It'll probably suck, but that's okay. That's how it comes out. And then you make it better. Yeah. As long as like, there's a lot of times where I've written a first draft where where it's drastically awful, but it has the framework I kind of want, like, or at least, the the like an idea of the story I want to tell with it like where I'm like all right this is garbage fix this like let's go come on like, yeah and that's what writers rooms are for generally right. is to fix good ideas into better ideas and polish and get all that stuff right. together so yeah once you have something to react to then yeah. you can refine it then you can improve it but you know if there's nothing there you have nothing to react to there's nothing to work with it's yeah there's a there's there. a big difference with like going into a room like i think there's this dude who wants to do this and he's kind of funny and then having a four-page thing and being like all right this is fix yeah. it like it makes it a lot easier when you have four pages to work with and play with and instead of just that weird sentence of a pitch that isn't yeah. fully there yet all right did i miss anything did can you think of anything that um, no. All right. Have you ever been to Iowa? Oh, um, no, I've only flown, I think I've only flown over it. Ugh, classic. Um, because even when you first brought it up, I actually pictured it on the wrong side of Illinois. Like, I thought it was Did east. you think it was Ohio? I, I thought it was east of Illinois. And then I was like, and then you mentioned, like, uh, Minnesota. And I was like, wait. And I could see that, <laughs> and then I could see that the the you know that border between Iowa and Illinois, like that bubble and everything. I was like, oh, right, that's where it is. 
Oh, that's even worse. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, screw Iowa. Oh. Thanks, Alexis. <laughs> Alexis can be seen next as Fezziwig presents Good Clean Fun at Philly Improv Theater over two weeks, August 10th and 11th and 17th and 18th. All those shows start at 8.30 and tickets are available at fitcomedy.com. Alexis was also just cast in one of Fit's new house teams for improv and they will debut September 6th, a Wednesday night. Cups and a Half heads to New York City to participate in She Makes Me Laugh Femme Fest 2017 at the People's Improv Theater on September 16th. And finally, she will be in a Fringe Festival show, Wild, a Clown Western, over the last two weekends in September. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.